0: What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's jump into the show. Welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host today, joined by the recently returned and well-traveled Andrew Mason. But before we hear what Mace has to say, and I'm sure he's got a lot to say, i got to tell you guys about Strava Craft Coffee, which is, of course, the presenting sponsor to this podcast. And this is such good coffee. And I know Mace, more than anyone, needs some of this today. After getting very little sleep, waking up way too early but to be on this podcast, StravaCraft Coffee, of course, delicious coffee, a perfect blend of caffeine, delicious coffee, and the magical CBD benefits, which helps with pains, anxiety, migraines, aches, all over the body, and so much more. So make sure you check them out. And when you do, use code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. You awake, Mace? I'm awake.
1: <laughs> I'm here. I'm upright. All of those things are positives. (laughs) Those are positives. Wait, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, and I probably would have had a bit more sleep last night if the Broncos had won because on a game like that, I find that I can't quite let it go. I get back to where I'm staying, and I end up, Inevitably watching the local sports cast, It was interesting to see how Minnesota's reporters framed this. They talked about, of course, the fact that it had been 99 games since the team trailing by 20 or more at halftime had come back to win. They mentioned that Kirk Cousins never let a fourth quarter comeback like that before. That the thought was they're in the fourth quarter they're behind by 16 points because it was 23 to 7 after three quarters this is over and so it was interesting to see how they perceived it because i think most of broncos country thought oh man this is not over even at 20 to nothing but they weren't exactly feeling anything warm and fuzzy in Minneapolis either. <laughs> they thought they're not going to come back in this game. In fact, a lot of speaking about Vic Fancio and facing his defenses in Chicago over the years. This could be a real big springboard for the Vikings. I'll get to the Broncos in a second. But it hit me late last night. What if this is the game for them that the Cleveland game in 2015 was for Denver. Mm. Screwing around yep. against a bad team, but finding a way to win right. somehow, some way, even when you were backed up against it, it was a sort of a statement. And of course, in that game, it there were two kind of statement moments. One was Peyton Manning going deep up the right sideline to Emmanuel Sanders, And the other was the D making that stand in overtime and actually pushing the Browns out of field goal range after Manning got picked off. Most of the moments that you look at for this team are going to be on the offensive side, but they're also looking at that goal-to-go stand, three plays, three incompletions, for a defense that was beleaguered and besieged for most of the game, particularly in terms of covering Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Noah Fant. The secondary did not drape itself in glory that day. Harrison Smith, their outstanding safety, probably their best defensive back, was injured and not in the game at that point. And they found a way to make a stand now. Certainly with the play on Tim Patrick, you could say found a way to get a no-call there, turning his helmet around. That's how they're viewing it in Minneapolis, and it would not at all surprise me if the Vikings do make up a little bit of ground on the Green Bay Packers. They still have them coming into Minneapolis later on this season, so they can even the season series there. It wouldn't shock me at all, Zach, if they end up eking out the Packers for the NFC North and they point to this game as the moment when it all came together for them, or in particular, the second half.
0: So Mace doesn't mean the opposite for the Broncos. Just as they're getting momentum, you know, potentially a second straight win going to, going to go 2-0 and with Brandon Allen, finding their groove, Rich Scangarello looking like it was all Joe Flacco's fault, and then they fall apart. Are the Broncos then just doomed to go the exact opposite way of the Vikings? And no. whatever the opposite of a springboard is, I guess the the diving board breaks and you fall into the deep end and drown. Well, if the diving
1: board breaks and you're an
0: accomplished diver, you fall into the pool, but you're okay.
1: <laughs> I would say. Are the, the Broncos
0: an accomplished diver? No, I would say <laughs> this
1: is more the equivalent of jumping for your dive and then hitting your head on the board. You just hope the damage isn't too great. There, it, it's no. I'm serious because I mean we know about the Greg Louganis incident in the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. And he hit his head on the springboard, came back to win. It's one of the really the great sporting accomplishments of my lifetime or any lifetime. But I also recall that there have been divers that have hit their head on platforms and the results have been disastrous. So did they hit the Broncos hit their head on the platform at?
0: 10 meters they hit their head on the three meter springboard the good thing is we find out next week maybe it's the bad news against the seven and three buffalo bills there's
1: another thing to consider and you're looking for long-term things that might help out Cortland sutton was a beast monster tim patrick was very good as a wide receiver too would like to see what he does next week against Buffalo. Very interesting that he came out starting. So right now the Broncos see him as the wide receiver 2. Deshaun Hamilton as the wide receiver 3. So they saw enough of Deshaun Hamilton in that role before the bye. Now giving Tim Patrick an audition. He did well. Noah Fant, when he gets downfield, when he gets into space, he's fine. He's making plays. It's when you're asking him to stay home and pass pro, and you're asking him to for reasons i can't fathom anymore to carry the football
0: <laughs>
1: you know his long run for the season is minus 2 yards and that's the best one that's the best he's done <laughs> and on third and one that's your call
0: yeah a crucial third and one that
1: it look sometimes there's a thin line between cute and clever if it works it's a clever play call if it doesn't work, it's cute or too cute. But third and one, you have, you're have you up by 10 points. You're trying to preserve that lead. You don't have to score. The big thing is chew up time. You don't have to score because Derek Wolf made a hell of a play on the two-point conversion. Everything else that went wrong, I got to tip my hat to Derek Wolf and his lateral pursuit. He's still got some wheels in him to make a play like that. But third and one... It reminded me so much of the Jaguars game back in week four. Remember that? The Jags come down after halftime, score, and the Broncos get the ball back. And the thing I'm thinking is, okay, you don't have to score here, but at least string together some first downs to get some momentum. (laughs) Three and out, <laughs> and then that exhausted defense has to go back on the field, and that's when Leonard Fournette just ripped through it. That D had just been out there for an 18 play drive, the Vikings' second touchdown drive. That was a hard drive. Yep. Third down conversions, a fourth down conversion, throw it in, thrown in there. Only one gain of double digit yards. Yep. The Broncos' D did not make anything easy for Minnesota on that series. But it was exhausted. So a lot of parallels with the, that Jackson right. game. So keep the ball. And when you're facing third and one, if you think the most likely way to get one yard is by Noah Fant on yet another permutation of this end around. Man, I can't get past that. That that that's probably rich
0: gangrello's worst call this year and he's made it how many times three no but that right
1: there is the worst single call well, also, of the season and it's a shame because his tactics and creativity in
0: the first half were sublime yep so mace that's my question offense defense everything two two-part question what changed what happened? In the first half, when the Broncos are up 20-0, to zero, pitching a shutout, uh, have a lead that hasn't been blown by any NFL team in the past five years. You have that going on. And then in the second half, when you lose 27-3, to three, the defense gives up four for four drives where touchdowns are scored on every single drive, and the offense only musters three points. First question, what happened? Second part, who's to blame? All right, what happened first half? You focused on what they
1: did right. They were exposing Xavier Rhodes quite a bit in that game. To the point where remember when you had the Garrett Bowles hold, but it got offset because Rhodes yep. grabbed Cortland Sutton. Yep. He didn't have any other recourse at that point. You you know, Rhodes has not had a great season in Minnesota. Again, I think the strength of the secondary lies with Harrison Smith rather than what they have at cornerback. But I like the design and I like the point of going, of picking at somebody. You had a matchup with Sutton on roads that clearly you had an advantage in. So just play it up. Until they figure something out, keep going at him. And uh, what's interesting, a hundred and ten of the passing yards for the Broncos came at the expense of Xavier Rhodes. Mm. So again, good game planning, lovely play design on the end around out of the Wildcat to Cortland Sutton. Said it once, said a million times. If you're going to make the Wildcat work as something viable, you have to have the threat of the pass out of it. Right now. I wasn't thinking the threat of the pass with Cortland Sutton, but that's getting there. <laughs> if they want to do more Wildcat stuff, Philip Lindsay's going to have to throw
0: at some point. Right. But Sutton threw a fantastic ball. Yeah, you may want Sutton back there the whole time because you know he can throw. It was amazing. It was and it a was perfect a, spiral. He, it was a great placement.
1: Yeah, good catch by Tim Patrick. Yep. He kinda of, Cortland downplayed the quality of his own throw, but for a wide receiver, that was a hell of a throw yeah, on his part. Yep. It was lovely. The first quarter, especially, man, that was fun. It was. It that was, that was so much fun to watch this team play with Verve and Zip and energy.
0: They were having fun. They were playing with nothing to lose. Yep. So what happened? Okay. What happened and who's to blame? Well, some of it is just
1: circumstances. Andy Janovich leading the game hurt. Mm -hmm. That was a big Um, turning point. On Noah Fant's end around, for example, in the fourth quarter, Andrew Beck whiffs there. Beck whiffed on another play earlier in the game. Um, If it's him filling in for Andy Janovich, you're probably not going to be able to use many I-formation packages. You're probably going to have to use him... As an H-back type, not a fullback in the
0: eye or the offset
1: eye. It's
0: not what he does really well right now. Jano being out for the year kills the Broncos. That really hurts.
1: You could see the moment he came in earlier in this season. He came in for the Jaguar game, right? Yep. How much more effective the offense got. With him out there. He
0: that's added a, like a, a yard and a half per carry, yeah. and he wasn't even on the field for all of those plays.
1: That's a crushing blow. He was playing so damn well. He was. Um, so, that's a lot of... It's a lot of snowflakes that cause the avalanche. That's one. Brandon Allen's interception. Mm-hmm. I know there's, a, a, there's some school of thought that says... Noah Fant could have run a better route. Noah Fant also sees the safety coming over. The, the, not, you know, not the guy who made the play, but you see the other safety coming in. And you're going to react to that. Yes. And some- Allen's got to see that the area is about to become congested. And that's happened. And that and he's throwing to a spot, but that spot is where two defensive backs are converging. Right. So he put it on himself. He said, look, I got to check that down.
0: Yep, and he said there was miscommunication. So we don't necessarily know if Noah Fant ran the wrong route or if Brandon Allen read it wrong, what happened there. But yeah, I mean, it it was a tight space no matter what. When you don't need to force it, you don't need to force it there. Yeah. I get
1: what you're going for, going for the kill shot and... I'm not going to criticize the notion of being aggressive because we've sat here and said that they're too conservative at times, but sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. On the defensive side, I mentioned, of course, how the Broncos rightfully picked at Xavier Rhodes. Yep. Well, the second half. The Vikings turned the tables on this and they picked at Devontae Harris and to a lesser degree, Duke Dawson. Of course, they did have the touchdown for Stephon Diggs, the 54-yarder, where Chris Harris Jr. started in coverage, but that's on Kareem Jackson. And what happens, it's good play design and it fooled Kareem Jackson a little bit because you had Kirk Cousins rolling left, B.C. Johnson is running a go up the left sideline. So, of course, if you're a safety, you're going to think rolling left, throwing left. Stephon Diggs runs that post route that gets him back into that area where he flashes into Kirk Cousins' line of sight. And actually, if you watch Diggs, he waves his arm to get Cousins' attention. So, I'm not sure Kirk Cousins was even looking at Stephon Diggs when he made the break on that route to to start on the angle that made it a post route rather than simply a go route. And then he located him and Kareem Jackson, he's following the flow of the play. You've already got B.C. Johnson running the go. Just got turned around. Sometimes it's it's on him, but at the same time, you got to tip your cap to the Vikings a little bit. The other thing is the acceleration of tempo, going no huddle. The Vikings played the entire second half like they knew they had to be perfect. Yep. You're going for it on fourth down in your own territory twice. Yep. It was basically regarded the whole field almost as four down territory. They did that. They they did they rarely huddled unless the clock was stopped. Didn't give the Broncos a chance to breathe. And then you couple that with a fatigue defense watching as the offense goes three and out at 23-13, at and that exacerbates it. All of it came together. The special teams part, there's a lot of people that are on Brandon McManus today saying, oh, he's not a very good kicker. The now, lace is
0: not out? His foot caught the ground. On it him. does not fall on him?
1: falls on him. This doesn't mean you should be going out and getting a new kicker, Broncos country. Do you really want to be the
0: Bears? No, that, no,
1: that, that no. Something that's a world of suck is if you have a kicker that you can't trust. Right. And Brandon McManus, is he Justin Tucker? Is he one of the top two or three kickers in the game? He used no. to be.
0: He used to be a few years ago.
1: He's right there in the middle. Yep. He's right there. If you're ranking the kickers in the NFL, he's probably around 14th or 15th.
0: It's saying to, to get rid of McManus is overreaction Monday. If you want to look at right. a special teamer that you need to bring. Let's talk about punter. <laughs> right. And and if you want to bring in tryout guys, that's what you're looking at this week. Not, not Brandon McManus. Yeah.
1: Let's actually talk about that because we all, how often do we get into accountability and how, one of the issues in the locker room, and players know this, and get up, and some get really upset about it, is the fact that Garrett Bowles keeps his job despite being in liability week after week, and two more penalties. Yep, the false start could have really—it was a huge penalty. messed them
0: up. It was awful.
1: Yeah, but Colby Wadman, this year, among the 31 punters with at least 15 punts. He's 27th in gross average, 29th in net average, 25th in touchback percentage, 18th in punts inside the 20, the percentage there. Sounds very good. Or The the only metric in which he's top half of the league is percentage of punts there, not return, 64%. And some of those are because some of the punts are so dadgum bad, there's no (laughs) chance of that. (laughs) How are you not bringing in somebody just for the... The sake of optics in the locker room, bringing in some guys to try out on Tuesday, what is the harm of having four punters in your building on Tuesday
0: in the field house working out? I think that'll happen. It needs to. Maybe not tomorrow, as it should, but I think it's going to happen in the next couple weeks because, Mace, we talked about yesterday the magic number. Some people say it's seven. Some people say it's eight. Some, crazy enough, say it's nine. But now... You've at least hit one of those magic numbers. And maybe John, knowing John, his probably isn't seven. His is probably eight. It was seven two years ago. It was. Because that's when Paxton Lynch got in and started at Oakland. So maybe this is when we see a big change, but Mace, I could see John saying, you know, we got a tough game coming up on the road. Let's yeah. just wait until we're home at week 13, kind of like the exact mentality with Drew Locke, which we'll get to in the question section. And uh, let's just wait till we get that eighth loss, probably coming this week, then we'll make the changes. So I would, it Mace, if they don't, have these punters in here in eight days from now, and, and really start turning over the roster and making these changes to develop for the future, then it's it's a failure. Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Why wait? The Colts had a bunch of kickers in last Tuesday, and they were
0: sitting there at what? Five and four? I'm not saying that's what I would do. I'm saying that's just what I believe John Elway was going okay. to do. You would do it right now. Yep.
1: If you have a player who across the board is in the lower third of the league, at punter especially. This is not something where you're worried about scheme and all that. And you were there for Tom McMahon's press conference on Friday. He talked about there was something that they changed up and that he expected Colby Wadman wouldn't have the same problems as yep. he did.
0: Yep. Yeah, still did. Same Colby. In good conditions, too. Oh, <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> it's pristine. Yep.
1: Think about it. He punts half his games at 5,280 feet of elevation. He gets this game, the Indianapolis game. They opened the roof, but the conditions were fine. He'll get the Houston game. So maybe he won't right get there, the Houston look at all game. those ideal conditions. <laughs> it was beautiful in L.A. He's punting in... Garden spots for punters. <laughs> yep, yep. And and he's among the bottom tier of the league in almost every category.
0: Yep, yep. That's exactly right. And Mace? Even placement.
1: That's the thing. He doesn't have the strongest leg. I expect him to flourish in placement. Am I making too much of a big uh, thing out of this? Probably. I mean, it's the punter, right? I can hear people listening and saying, dude, it's the freaking punter. I get it. But at the same time, it's an accountability thing.
0: Absolutely, and that's what this team needs
1: right and, now. And Colby Wadman does not have skins on the wall like Brandon McMass has. Right. As John Fox would say, I love getting—you <laughs> know me, I love getting my
0: Foxisms <laughs> in and Mace, there. And Mace, I don't, I don't, this may be something that you don't know about the podcast, but— Back in the offseason, we tried to get some punter talk in the first segment as often as we could. So thanks to you pointing out some accountability and Colby Wadman, we delivered for the people on this Monday. We got some punter talk in. And uh, speaking of the people, we need to hear from the people. But before we do, I got to tell you something that you need right now. After watching that game, during that game, probably as you digest it today, I always remember when I was a kid... Sundays, right after the loss, were bad. Mondays were even worse because you got to be surrounded by it. You got to talk about it. You can't move on to the next week. And that's why you need to check out Hop Peak from Breckenridge Brewery. (laughs) It'll help you forget about Sunday. It'll help you breeze through Monday, help you with some Monday night football, which there is a great game going on. And Hop Peak is. Is so delicious. It packs a punch, both in power and also in flavor. Full of hops, little citrus, little pine cone. It is the perfect Colorado beer, especially when it's crisp outside. So make sure you check out Hop Peak and all of the damn good beers at Breckenridge Brewery and Mace. After you do, especially. Since it's a Monday, you'll need a magical recharge, and I know the people just for that. That is Vita Mobile Ivy. They will take you from zero to 100, well, let's say 10% to 100 in an hour, and you know what? They will come straight to you. They'll come to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. So download their app that's Vita Mobile IV. Request a skilled IV drip therapist. Sit back, relax, because they come to you. And don't forget to use the promo code HYD20. To save 20% off your first IV drip, visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more or just download their app and book your appointment. That's HYD20 to save 20% off. I've
1: got a stat for
0: you before we dive into the comments. Mace, kill me with facts. All right.
1: How many games... Have you seen teams
0: blow a double-digit halftime lead this year? Double-digit. I'm going to say... Take a guess. Number. Boy, how many games have there been? Been about... Been about 160? Roughly. I'm going to go 10. Six. Oh. Who are they? And the Broncos
1: are the only team that has blown two (laughs) double-digit halftime leads this year. (laughs) The Chargers did it once against Houston. The Texans did it once back in week one against the Saints. Washington did it once back in week one against the Eagles. The Bucs did it once, blowing an 18-point lead against the Giants back in September, Daniel Jones' first start. And the Broncos have done it twice (laughs) against the Jaguars. And it was 17-3 right before halftime. Another moment where you're going in for the kill and you get picked
0: again. (laughs) This is
1: echoes of the Jaguars game all over again.
0: Mmm, it's not good.
1: No, it's not. I mean, you're changing the names. You're changing the style of offense.
0: But boy, very
1: similar. The interception at the end of the first half, check. The three and out when you can least afford it, check. (laughs) An otherworldly performance by somebody on the opposing offense. You had Leonard Fournette that day. Stephon Diggs, man, was nearly impossible to contain. For the Vikings, think about it. You stop Dalvin Cook, but Stephon Diggs beat you. Yep, yep, yeah. We've seen this before. We have. They just find they find a way to lose. And as losing Chris... teams, bad teams find ways to lose. And this again, I know that there are some people that are saying, "Oh, we're four plays away. Oh, we're a few bad calls away."
0: Stop it. <laughs>
1: When you come close and lose, and again, remember, this team is two and four in games decided by seven or fewer points. Over the long, long, long haul, those results even out. So basically, maybe you should have one more win and be four and six rather than three and seven. It's not going to mean that you're a good team. This team is making some strides. You're finding players who can help you out for the long term, mm-hmm. but it's still not there it's not close and that's why they owe it to themselves they owe it to the fan base everybody to get drew lock out there a s a p yep that's all that matters the rest of the way
0: maybe vick will surprise us and say the drew's the guy today we'll find that out in just a few short hours i'm not expecting that i'm i'm just hoping
1: it's the charger game and not Week 16. Right. So the other thing is, Brandon Allen, let's not get fooled.
0: I think we have a good idea who and what he is. Can he be a backup? Potentially, yes. Can he be a long-term starter? No, that's exactly, exactly where Ryan and I came down, Mason. So the good thing is you found out what you need to know about Brandon Allen. Now it's time to find out the way more important question. He
1: threw 30, 39 passes yesterday. You don't want that. But 13 of them were on that last drive. So prior to that drive, 26 att- attempts, 12 completions.
0: Mm.
1: And, yeah, there were some he was escaping and getting away. But there were also some that he just missed. Yep. A, the footwork was a little bit off, thus the accuracy wasn't there. The accuracy starts with the feet. And uh, all that is what we saw from him on film over the last four preseasons.
0: Yep. He is who he is. Yep. And Chris yesterday said uh, said this is something that's going to take years to find out how to win as a team. He said it took years for the Super Bowl 50 team to find out. And Mace, that's why you're okay, right. Okay. We need to start the process. And uh, we need to look for the future. Timeout. He said that. I get what he's
1: making in terms of the general point. But in 2012, the first year with Peyton Manning at quarterback, this team is down 24 nothing at San Diego at halftime and comes roaring back to win. Mm-hmm. The year before, with Tim Tebow at quarterback, a lot of the same players on the team – They are pulling one game after another out of the fire. (laughs) So to say this team didn't know how to win until 2015, maybe they didn't get the big one. But this team sure as hell knew how to win. Sometimes I think in the heat of a moment after the game, you sort of lose sight of the broader historical picture. But this team, now I'm hard on Tim Tebow, but I'll give him some credit. They started learning how to win when Tim Tebow was the
0: quarterback. Mm. Yep. Boy. He
1: wasn't accurate. He didn't fit any kind of mold of a pro quarterback. But when he got in there, they figured out how to win.
0: This game for all the other for all the opposite reasons was almost just as fun as a Tim Tebow game except for at the very end. Alright, Mace, we need to talk to listeners and we need to we need to do it in a fast manner because so many of you wanted to vent. After the game last night, and the first one coming in from Nemo3, a few draft-oriented questions and comments. One, after the game today, I would have to say that I am no longer thrilled about the idea of taking a wide receiver with our top pick. Our run game was formidable, Cortland is prone to be a top 12 wide receiver in this league, and Tim Patrick is picking up where he left off. Now guys, I must admit that during this whole season, I've been pounding the table for CeeDee Lamb in Denver, but... Do you guys feel as though there are enough weapons, skill positions in place for Drew to succeed if he is given the keys? If not, are you guys comfortable taking a top-tier wide receiver in the first round, such as CD Ruggs, or LaVisca?
1: You don't have enough weapons just yet, but I feel like what you're looking for, you can find on day two.
0: You have enough pieces, you do not need to use a first-round You pick. still
1: need to look for a speed-type guy. If you drafted Terry McLaurin, you wouldn't be having this question <laughs> question right now, but you'd also be looking maybe for a defensive lineman. But there are Terry McLaurins in every draft.
0: Two, how do you guys feel about the proposition of trading up for a non-quarterback, specifically Andrew Thomas from Georgia? The hype surrounding him would suggest he's a plug-and-chug player that you can anticipate being a Pro Bowler by year two. If you guys don't like this, though, then give me your evaluation on riffs. He scares me because there's a lot of projection projecting him, and the last thing we need in Denver is another tackle who must be limited to the right side. Mace, what do you think?
1: I'm fine waiting and picking Tristan Wirfs. Actually, maybe it's a little bit of an upside thing, but I kind—I like where he can go. I actually wouldn't mind plugging in uh, Juwan James at the left side or simply seeing with Tristan Wirfs, you work him out, get him in there, say, okay, can he go left tackle?
0: Do you trade up to get Andrew Thomas? Mm, no. Yeah, that's, that's a risky proposition. I'm still
1: thinking about trading down. If Drew Locke is the answer, I'm still thinking about trading down a few picks, accumulating more draft capital, and you can probably get another tackle a few picks later, or you can say, okay, we can maybe we do a veteran fix at left tackle for a year or two. Maybe you're in the Kelvin Beecham, Anthony Costanzo conversation in free agency. You trade down, accumulate more draft capital, you address some other areas, and then you pick a more developmental left tackle. Maybe you're hoping you find your Alejandro Villanueva or Matt Lepsis back in the day for this team. A right tackle then became a left tackle. He was a converted tight end, but he was lightly regarded. Remember, in this scheme, historically, Ryan Clady is the exception, but historically, you've had a lot of outstanding offensive linemen that were not high draft picks. Right. And Mike Bungchak has done some of his best work with guys who were undrafted or low picks like Villanueva in Pittsburgh right now. So yep. I don't think it's necessarily a situation where you have to take a guy early.
0: Quick reaction on taking Derek Brown from in the first round. Honestly, I haven't studied enough on him yet, so... Yeah, I I haven't either in four. I watched Herbert this weekend, and here are my thoughts. The guy can make some throws that give you a stiffy. However, he's very inconsistent with some of his throws. He relies on a heavy dose of running and short screens. With that being said, his stats can often be misleading. So pump the brakes as I heard an announcer say he should be a Heisman candidate. Finally, and the most alarming, the kid's too tall. I saw first how... I first saw firsthand how easily safety sit back and read his eyes. So here are my questions in terms of the hit his transition to the NFL. Do you think height and eyes are an advantage to consistently look off safeties or do you think guys will hint that will hinder him? Secondly, say we draft a guy, say we draft this guy. Do we think we can adopt the run first system? He's now in by running almost 60% of the time
1: all right well no one's going to run 60 percent of the time in the NFL so that's just not going to happen unless you're turning back the clock this the the height thing look I remember the first time that a safety mentioned to me hey you got a tall quarterback you can read his eyes it was when I was in Carolina back in 0809. And it's something I've never been able to get out of my mind ever since. I've heard it here in Denver over the years as well. Again, that's the one thing you're tall. If there's a point at which you're 6'6", they can, the safeties can see your eyes better. You don't get lost behind the offensive lineman. So it's, the, it's a concern I have. It's a big concern. Now, I'll say this for him. For someone of his height, he's not awkward. He's smooth. Also, some concerns about his leadership style, whether he can really come in and be the guy in the locker room. Actually, speaking of quarterbacks, just to kind of share something that's coming across my phone right now, Adam Schafter reporting that Tua Tagovailoa underwent surgery on his right hip in Houston today, and according to Alabama, quote, his prognosis is excellent. Good. Unquote. Good. Hate to, hate to see that. Now, we've said that you doubt that John Elway would draft Tua Tagovailoa. But what if this injury pushes him down to seven or eight? Be huge. I okay. I'd take him in a heartbeat. I would take him in a heartbeat as well. I wouldn't even. I I'd send my marketing guy or whoever they've got there to the podium with a card and tell him to sprint.
0: <laughs> I completely agree. If you can get you know best second best quarterback and you don't have to trade up for him, and and maybe he does need a redshirt year. He's also not too tall. No, he's (laughs) not. Boy, I would love it. Everything he brings is absolutely fantastic. All right, Mace, we got to move on. Next one coming in from DJC15. So first and foremost, an update on the date. Ended up getting canceled because she hit me last minute with the I'm not ready for a relationship, let's be friends move. So that's cool. I only guzzled a (laughs) bottle of bleach, LOL. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear DJC15. Hated that back in the day, man. Oh, yeah. Secondly, we need a coaching staff with a killer instinct. Plain and simple, it comes down to when you have your foot on the opponent's throat, you crush their larynx. You don't let off. If you're beating someone 20-0 to at half, then beat them 50-0 to at the final. As the great coach Herm said, you play to win the game. They tried to step on their throat, and Brandon Allen got picked off. Mm, for the past four years, we've been playing not-to-lose games. Lastly, Sutton looked like a... Uh, Somalier pirate out there telling the world look at me i'm a number one receiver now fant looked great when used properly and not used as a one-on-one blocker either Skang shapes up and lets his nads drop and manhood hang or he needs to ship out and learn how to play call with the big boys before being an offensive coordinator damn Uh, uh, wow don't forget about the first half that's what i'll say about Skang's. he called the best half of his career, at least here in Denver in the first half was it good in the second half? Absolutely not. But was Vic Fangio good in the first half? Absolutely. Was he awful in the second half him and his defense? Absolutely. So it's just as hard you're going to be on Skangs for that second half, you got to be just as hard on Vic.
1: Very true. And oh my goodness gracious, let me just go back and reread this question again because there was a another thought that I had. Chugging bleach, relationships. Well, if she says she's not ready for a relationship, is it that she doesn't want a relationship with you? Or is it? Oh, she, see, that's oh the thing. now you, you're just
0: pouring bleach on I'm the just poor saying, guy.
1: This is the problem because we've all been there. Because <laughs> there are times I misinterpreted that. I thought, okay, you don't want a relationship with me, but maybe you want with somebody else. But there was a case where it turned out no, oh. she really did. She just wasn't ready for that
0: you weren't dumping bleach you were taking the bleach away and giving him hope
1: yeah right exactly <laughs> I like that so I, I'm i just saying that's <laughs> a possibility here
0: <laughs> uh, don't shut the door Mace next one coming in from Manx Bronco quietly pleased about the loss for all the draft position and prospect of no more 72 don't care about how we do it but Thomas is a must
1: yeah I can see that Uh, The funny thing is with Garrett Bowles, um, the penalties obviously we're going to fixate on. It wasn't his worst game.
0: (laughs) In fact. uh, And that's the problem, Mace. That's the problem. I'm going through the pro
1: football focus numbers in terms of they compile pressures allowed. Zero pressures allowed (laughs) for
0: Garrett Bowles. It's, it's always one or the other, isn't it? it and sometimes both. He ca- exactly. His penalties
1: went down, but then his pressures <laughs> went up. Yesterday, <laughs> yeah. he allowed no pressures, but his penalties went up again. Leaky boat syndrome. You plug one hole, another pops up. Garrett Bowles is the personification of LBS.
0: He's the biggest one on the team. We're
1: looking for a cure for that in our lifetime. I don't know if we're going to find it in time to save Garrett Bowles.
0: I think a cure for that is in the first round next year, Mace. Yes. I think that's the cure.
1: Defender 96, bummer to lose at the last moment. But it was fun to be in a competitive game and not hurt our draft position. I must say, like when, like Tebow, when he took over at QB, it is refreshing to see a QB that is willing to take shots in an opportunity to win the game. After months of pedantic checkdowns, it's nice to see Allen going over the top and even applying a little of the RK doctrine by chucking it up for Sutton regularly. Allen looked better this week than the last. What? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know how you could put the interception all on Allen. It looked like Fant cut off his route or something. Not a perfect game, but it was a pleasure to see a dynamic quarterback after dealing with Simeon, Keenum, and Flacco. Thoughts? Okay, let's just even take that Noah Fant interception off the table. That's 17 for 38. Before the last possession, it would have been 12 for 25. That that's simply not going to get it done. No, he is complete. He has completed fewer than fifty percent of his passes in his two starts. Of course, yes, Tim Tebow completed fewer than fifty percent of his passes. By the way, being above forty nine percent means for his career to date, he's still above the Teboza line.
0: <laughs> the
1: Teboza line, by the way, is forty eight percent.
0: The Teboza line
1: because. His career completion percentage, including his time with the Jets, was 47.9. So you just nudged that up to 48 around number. Allen yesterday was below the T Bowes line <laughs> for his career. He's above it. So he's still in the clear. But if he comes out going, say, two for eight in Buffalo next week, and I haven't checked the weather, but I'd be shocked if it's anything nice and placid. Could be a rough day for him, especially against that defense, which is a lot better than the one he saw yesterday in Minnesota.
0: Mace, it doesn't matter where he is in terms of the Tobosa line. When we're talking about him and we're comparing him to Tebow in terms of his passing numbers, then that kind of says in the nicest way possible where he is and what he is. So that's a good way to answer it. Nice story, but just
1: don't get... Don't get caught up. Don't be fooled here.
0: Speaking of quarterbacks floating around Tim Tebow's stats, next one coming in from World of Suck. After a game like that, it's easy to be a downer, but I don't want to be a downer. Here's my takeaway. The game gave me a lot of hope for the Broncos offense. Brandon Allen had a pretty bad first half, and the offense scored 20 points anyway. Sutton, Fant, Lindsey, and Patrick look like really good young core weapons. But here's what really gives me hope. Brandon Allen may look like Paxton Lynch in the face, but his game looks a lot more like Drew Locke. Over and over again, Allen has reminded me of what I've seen on Locke's tape, and we have every reason to believe that Locke should be better than Allen. I do have a few doubts about Locke, but this offense should really be able to transition from Allen to Locke really well. Can't wait to see it.
1: Maybe part of this whole thing is making sure it's smooth and ready for Drew Locke when he (laughs) takes (laughs) over. Yeah,
0: everything's firing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> saying, okay, we're going to give you a game plan, but this is going to be tailored more to Drew
0: Locke's skill set than Brandon Allen's skill set. <laughs> they, t- they tell Brandon that, hey, you may be uncomfortable doing some things because really this is this is for Drew Locke, but you know, you're getting his seat warm.
1: From Nemo 3, I also read an article from CBS Sports about how Fangio has trouble connecting with players and that there is a disconnect to the locker room from a relationship standpoint. I can see there being some validity to this observation, given the fact that Fangio rubs me as a very task-oriented coach. This isn't always the worst thing, because as a college football player, I can attest to the fact that you would rather your coach be dry and seemingly all business versus disingenuous or phony. Questions for you guys. One, do you buy it? Two, how damning, if at all, is this for Fangio and the Broncos? P.S. They went into detail about Fangio being very critical of offensive play calls and questions the competency of some of the offensive staff.
0: So Mace and Nemo three, really quick. We, Ryan and I talked about this pretty in depth yesterday. So Mace, do you buy it? What do you make of the report from Jason LaCafora?
1: Okay. Well, you have to consider that there are some people that have left the building and may have an ax to grind. The other thing to consider here is there has never been a bad team that didn't have people that were unhappy and disgruntled. Heck, even on a good team, you've always got somebody who's not happy about things, and maybe they will or maybe they won't air their dirty laundry. But Especially 10 games in. Right. So the thing with Vic Fangio is that he's honest, which the players do respect. But at the same time, he's also very focused on how you can get better. So sometimes that means focusing on what you're doing wrong, that you, you're you an A student, and you bring home a paper that's a 93, and that's fine, but why didn't you get the 100?
0: Right. That's Vic Fangio. Right. And that can grind people's gears. But he wants you to maximize who you are. Right. But for some people, they love it, because they say, show me how I can get that 7% better. And some say, some give them the middle finger, you know, maybe not in person, and say, what do you mean? This is an A. Yeah, the some guys are going to be
1: frustrated with that. Others are going to say, "Okay, yeah, I can get better." And this guy's trying to show me how. I think there was a little more trouble maybe in camp before you started seeing the results, especially on the defensive side. But once the D started to click, and obviously the second half yesterday was kind of the anomaly, but the D had been clicking for five and a half games really, and players were realizing that it's like, oh. This is what Vic wants, and they know, hey, Bryce Callahan hasn't played. They've had injuries at cornerback. Uh, They had to change the defensive line. They gave Alexander Johnson a shot, and he's doing well. They, They understand the scenario, that not all the pieces are in place, and yet they're still playing generally good defensive ball. And so that's leading to, I think, more trust in Vic Fangio than there had been. I think the concern I have, frankly, is probably the stuff involving the offensive play calls. That's not something that...
0: That's what I said can, was the most damning as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, It's not something I'm in a position to confirm or deny. Um, we have discussed here how we get the sense from reading between the lines of what Vic is saying in his press conferences that he does not appear completely sold on the scheme or... Or what's going on on the offensive side? The style of ball they're trying to play, and point to the fact that in San Francisco and then in Chicago last year, he was a part of teams that had a lot of success with mobile quarterbacks, RPOs, things like that.
0: Hmm, like Colin Kaepernick, who the Broncos did not attend the workout, but that wasn't necessarily the Broncos. Bingo!
1: Vic Fangio was on the bus that Colin Kaepernick <laughs> drove to Super Bowl Forty seven
0: yep and here's the thing Nemo three is we're going to get into this I'd imagine a lot more later in the week not just when we have more time but when we hear from Vic Fangio today talking about this and we hear from players also talking about this so this won't go away especially after a loss next one coming in from Boucher all day and Mace you're gonna love the start of this one this is my first Broncos game and it was definitely a tale of two halves oh,
1: <laughs> I made a point <laughs> In the fourth quarter, to myself mentally, I'm not using that cliche. I'm not saying tale of two halves.
0: Everyone else is going to say it. I'm not. I can do better than this. (laughs) And you did. You did. (laughs) I'm not sure what happened, but it would seem like Fangio told the guys they wanted halftime and forgot the other 30 minutes. I will say you couldn't have asked for any better opportunities to finish the game with a touchdown. They just came up short. At this point, we know the youth youth movement is the single most biggest focus going forward. They make you feel good about where you are headed in this dark time. Now, I'm convinced we are one loss away from testing Drew Locke's medal. Since we can't bust for Burrow or... Tank for Tua, let's be the worst for Hurst. That man is the truth. Hey, you don't have to be the worst for Hurts. <laughs> yep, Yep. and you don't have to bust for Tua anymore. You may not have to. Yeah,
1: you may not have to tank for Tua. You'd still have to bust for Burrow. But remember this, if Drew Lock plays well when he gets in there and shows he can be the man, then you're okay with winning. And that's the thing. If they put Drew Lock out there starting for the Chargers game, at that point, Broncos country, you are... No longer conflicted. It's no longer about, oh, do I root for them to get better draft position or root for them to get the win? No, no, no. You want the dubs. Yep. You want them to play well because yep. if he shows that he can be the man and be that quarterback that can potentially lead you out of this mess, you'll sacrifice some draft position in the spring because if you have the man, you've crossed the most important Item off the checklist. As I said on Twitter this morning, the biggest question remains quarterback. Biggest question, BQ. Take those initials, QB.
0: (laughs) I love it, Mason. It all comes together. And that was the huge and biggest realization that I had yesterday was there was a chance. I wasn't holding out hope. I didn't talk about it much. But there was a slight chance that Brandon Allen could be the guy for this franchise moving forward before yesterday. Did I like what he actually did in that first game? No. Did I like statistically what he did? Yes. You said it what was if, magnificent. Exactly. Well, yeah. the stats were. The stats were. But what if he 60% built— 60%? Completion percentage? That's not magnificent. Mace, there was a chance he could have built on that yesterday and, and with another week of practice showed that he was a guy. Well, from what we learned yesterday, he's not the guy. We know that moving forward. Now, I feel very weird telling fans to do this you got to cheer for the Broncos to lose next week. They have to lose next week. And if they do, then everything else is going to figure itself out. Then you can enjoy the season because then we'll see Drew Locke in Week 13. And like you said, Mace, if they win, great. It doesn't matter because you have your quarterback. If they lose and it's because Drew Locke doesn't look really well, well then it's okay. It's figuring itself out. You're going to get a quarterback with a top pick next year. Nothing would surprise me less than if the Broncos won In a must-lose situation. And then you have Brandon Allen, you delay Drew Locke, and then you don't know what you have going forward. Bingo. So
1: I'll say this. You're rooting for long-term success. What brings you closer to winning a Super Bowl? One thing that brings you closer to a Super Bowl is finding the guy at quarterback. You know Brandon Allen isn't the guy. So you get Drew Locke out there and start learning. If he can be the guy. Yep, exactly. And you get five games, a good sample size. Heck, again, if it were me, I'd be throwing them out, out there this week. But yep. I get why they're going to wait at least one more week. Count Locula. The third and one play where we had Fant run the ball was reason number 75, why Skangs must be jettisoned. The Booker carry was reason number 76. That's the spirit. We need a lock-vember, but I'm afraid these tepid offensive plans will only sully him. We need a revolution. Y'all know what I mean. A cromulent leader must await us, right? Love the count.
0: Oh, you know,
1: the count, our brains are connected because he and I appear equally focused on that call to Noah Fant. In that scenario, third and one, you need to string together even a couple of first downs. You don't have to score. A couple of first downs, take some time off the clock. Get to where Minnesota, if they get the ball back, has to draw an inside straight. Maybe has to convert an onside kickoff along the way to win. And that meant keeping the ball for a few minutes. Couldn't do that. Again, I cannot put into words how much I hated that call to Noah Fan on third and one.
0: I don't think anyone liked it. And Mace, the crumulent leader for the Broncos, maybe yeah. you? Mace? Or maybe you hope it's Drew Locke. Maybe we're talking about on the field. Right. And that would be the most impactful. There's no question about that. Next one coming in from Iceman. I feel like Iceman always follows Count Locula. He says, Hey boys, the club covered the idiotic double digit spread. And I drank all of the orange Kool-Aid to imagine the Broncos could win on the road. Now, there can be no doubt Allen can only be the backup quarterback. Most of us knew they beat a bad Browns team in spite of Brandon, not because of him. His completion percentage is Tebow-like. There are zero reasons left not to start Drew in Buffalo. Go, Zoomies. I agree with you. I just don't think they will. You've got a lot of wisdom. Right down to
1: go, Zoomies, Colorado State (laughs) champions. There's
0: no doubt about it. Talk
1: about the bad beat at the end of that game. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I was
0: laughing as as it was going the other way. Oh, man.
1: That was something. (laughs) Oh, mercy, mercy. Orange Crush. I wasn't even upset or disappointed at the result. I found myself hoping the Broncos would blow it at the end. However, I can't help but think that was the best result we could have hoped for. We saw what talent we have on this team and its potential without affecting our draft position and Drew Locke's possible start. There are some points there. I will say this even though I understand the benefit of losing and getting a better draft position, and we got into how, okay, you got to get Drew Locke out there and start finding out. My heart ached for that team down the stretch. How is Seeing it, it happen. I, I felt bad for the players. I felt bad for the coaches. It was, it was painful, and as the game went on, my parents were watching back in Florida, and... My mom was talking about how they fell apart. I said, you know what? I feel like I'm watching the Bucks I grew up with. I remember a game against the Bears, up 20 to nothing, lost 27-26. I remember seeing through the binoculars the looks in their eyes as the Bears came back, dread, fear, no confidence. I see it here right now. And my mom texts me back, son, your dad and I just said the same thing.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. And
1: it scares me that I can recognize echoes of the late 80s, early 1990s Buccaneers in these Broncos today. Yeah, I don't like that. That may be the scariest thing I've heard all day. Well, I'll say this. I think I'm probably more experienced than almost anybody covering this team in this market at observing and studying Bad football teams.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry for that, Mace. (laughs) It's okay. I got to really love the game to come out of years in Tampa loving it. Next one coming in from DS Rogers, which is kind of along the exact same lines. I'm truly excited for this game. We're not a good team, but we're not a bad team. Bad teams don't start 20 to zero against a playoff team on the road. Even if Elway won't admit to being in a rebuild, he's done a hell of a job building this team. We have most of the pieces together. They're just extremely young. No receiver is over 25. Our three quarterbacks have never had any regular season snaps before this season. Our second, third, and fourth string corners are second year players. We have a rookie head coach in offense coordinator broncos have a great core to bring this team back to success it'll be a rough couple of years but i truly believe this team is closer than it appears
1: and that's another reason why you gotta get drew Locke out there because there are a lot of good pieces already in place yeah you gotta fix left tackle of course you probably have to look at receiver two receiver three although tim patrick can be an answer at one of those spots looks like he's trending in that direction you're set at running back you've Got a, some of the offensive line set, especially if you can re sign Connor McGovern. A defensive line, I still say re sign Derek Wolf. I think you also re- think about re signing Shelby Harris. He had a monster game on Sunday. You've got guys there playing well. More and more, it's coming down to left tackle and quarterback.
0: especially quarterback because a good (laughs) quarterback can compensate for a shaking left tackle. Exactly. Next one coming in from love thunder down under the Noah fant end around must now be known as the no, I can't end around aside from the now infamous play. I was actually pretty impressed with Skings. He has put together two pretty solid game plans for now for a guy that is clearly a back backup at his peak he's been creative and dynamic with the talent he has to work with but there's only so long gadgetry can hold you up and that's eventually what came loose they needed mediocre not great just mediocre quarterback play and they couldn't get it from Allen. but it's an odd time to be a broncos fan it's almost win-win feeling during the game i found myself excited by the first half and then very short after find myself elated for the first half of the 2020 season Oh, and new rule you you get you get to the right side of the twelve yard line. Throw it up to Sutton. That's not Ryan's rule. I mean, doesn't he say the fifty? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Again, does the failing does the failure of the second half outweigh what happened in the first half? I think there are indications that Rich Gangrello is starting to get it, especially in terms of play design and play script early in the game. If I have a question, it's about kind of reacting to the feel of the game. In other words, being aggressive when caution is called for, being cautious when it's time to be aggressive. I think as the game went on, starting with that drive late in the first half, he seemed to kind of had the wrong feel for things. And certainly the the play called a Noah Fant on the end around, that was horrible. <gasps> Again, worst call of the season for Rich Gangarello. Dan Burke, bummed about the loss. Better draft position is a nice consolation prize, but I'd take the win, especially on the road, against a quality opponent 100% of the time. If they beat Buffalo or Houston, it won't really have the same effect to me, so the only chance at a true upset is to beat KC on the road, so I'm speaking that into existence, LOL. Back to the Vikings game, I was pretty impressed with Tim Patrick, especially coming back from his injury, thinking he'd be a solid wide receiver two or wide receiver three for this team. I'm still firmly on the Winfrey train and think he's so talented, so hopefully he can get his shot down the stretch. They definitely need a burner and a more dynamic presence from the slot, though. I don't think the staff or the front office are sold on Deshaun. I know from the All-22, he's been open a lot, and the quarterbacks haven't looked his way. But looking at the players they were interested in, in free agency, Adam Humphreys, Jameson Crowder, and in the draft, Debo and Deontay Johnson, it tells me they're looking to upgrade that position as soon as they can. Quick question to Mace. I heard you say that QBs taller than 6'5 are a no-go. Does that include Trevor Lawrence, or is he the exception? Hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence might be the unicorn of tall quarterbacks.
0: Hmm. Literally
1: the only guy that I would go for. Is he 6'6"? Six, 6'6". Six? Six, six.
0: Whew. Why?
1: Feel, ability to read defenses. Yeah. Presence, the whole package. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any awkwardness from him. No, that's what I he was going to say. He that's... plays like a 6'3 quarterback rather yeah. than a 6'6 quarterback.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, <laughs> why I never realized he was 6'6. Exactly. Is because he doesn't feel awkward. And
1: I think part of it is, like, with Justin Herbert, I watched him the first time without knowing his height. and Immediately, I was conscious of it while this guy's tall. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about it with Trevor Lawrence. Yep, yep. And that says a lot right there in terms yep. of the evaluation. It's sort of like how they tell you, okay, you just— Watch a game without rosters and see who jumps out. Yeah. So you're not thinking about the names. You're just seeing the play. Yeah. And if a player is so overwhelming, you take a look at that guy.
0: Yep. Exactly. Mace, do you hear that ticking in the background? Do you know what that is? It's the clock ticking down to Drew Locke starting. I, I certainly hope so. Giving. I certainly hope so. I think we're going to have to wait for to, to Drew Sember. But before that... We got our competition that is coming to a close soon, and we need your guys' help because the Broncos and the Nuggets are going head. To head in this competition. And the only way we can win is if we get your help. So, how do you help? Well, you use the code Zach, Z A C, MACE, M A S E, or R K to join our team. And what do you get in return? Well, you get the wonderful opportunity to join our family here at the DNVR, and you get Broncos coverage, Rockies Nuggets, or Rockies Nuggets, Avs, CSU, CU coverage for an entire year by joining us. And you get the exclusive right to comment on this podcast, and you get a shirt of your choice. We would love to have you guys join our family, and when you do, make sure you reach out in the reach out in the comment section. Let us know that you have, because we want to welcome you and thank you. Especially if you use that code Zach. And speaking of supporting local businesses, you guys know how we're all about that, and that's why we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company and. It may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that even make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, et cetera, at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them today at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and make sure you tell them who sent you. Let's
1: go back to the comments. Ale, allay, allay. Even despite blowing a 20-point lead, I feel nothing. Ooh. I want to be angry. I want to be sad. I want to feel anything. I honestly had a stronger reaction to Mace admitting he was a Man City supporter, myself being a huge Liverpool fan, than losing to the Vikings yesterday. It's just a bummer because I went from watching the Avs Canucks game at Sobo 151, a great Avs bar on South Broadway If any fans looking for a place to watch games during the current situation, where every Avs fan was ready to run to Vancouver to hug Mac for that justice goal in overtime to watching the Broncos game with a very here-we-go-again crowd. Is this what a losing culture is? Yes. Yeah. 100%, that is what a losing culture is because what you just described is the biggest problem. Apathy. It's not fan anger. It's fan Apathy. That's when fans stop watching on television, when they stop showing up, when they don't have the same emotional investment. And if anger is becoming apathy in Broncos country, and I encourage all of you out there to tell us in the comment section are you angry or is it bleeding into apathy at this point? Because when anger becomes apathy, then you have something that is
0: profound and deep, and that is a huge problem. Yep. Yep. And Mace, that, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was Pat Boland's biggest concern. The thing he wanted the least was apathy from fans. And that's why the Broncos were always so good, is because he was so deathly afraid of that.
1: He was. And we've seen over the course of years how apathy can lead to everything right up to and including the team relocating. You know, in Baltimore, yep. for example, you had bad ownership with the Ursays And what happened, bad ownership led to bad results, which led to attendance dropping, which gave Bob Ursay the excuse that he needed to take the team in the middle of the night out of its Owings Mills, Maryland headquarters on the Mayflower Vance to Indianapolis. It gave him the excuse mm. that he needed. Mm. It happened in Los Angeles with the Rams when they left for St. Louis. Yep. It happened even in St. Louis, although there are other issues there that were involved with ownership at the time. Right. But apathy is a part of almost every relocation, not every one of them. The Browns, for example, fans weren't apathetic back then. Right. But the Chargers fans grew apathetic, and usually it, start, it can start with on-field results and then it ends up being ownership issues and so forth. So it all sort of goes into the Broncos, and it's one reason why they've got to fix this, and they've got to get the ownership situation resolved. Thanks for the content, boys. And Mace, Premier League titles are cool, but stars on your jersey are cooler six times. By the way, you know what I think would be really, really cool? If the Broncos ever, ever redesigned their logo scheme and everything, and create a soccer style shield as an alternate logo and have three stars above above it for three Super Bowl
0: titles Mm, that would be cool. that would be awesome that would be cool let's do that I I would like that all right Mace we're in the speed round of questions next one coming in from pig tosser 66 so even in lost seasons when I know losing more games will help the team once the ball gets kicked off I can never root for a lot especially when the players and coaches are giving everything they have to get the win that being said I can't help but be totally fine with yesterday's result Brandon Allen played Okay, not good, but not horrible. I like him a lot as a backup and hope we keep him around, but he's not the answer. He didn't do enough to keep Locke on the bench past Buffalo's game, which I, which is what I wanted. Our young core on offense is the real deal and keeps getting better and better. They're showing promises, players, and just as important, leaders. Sutton is a bona fide number one. Lindsey is a beast, and Fant continues to show why he was a first-round pick. Patrick came back strong and is going to be a great number three at worst. And Reisner is Reisner. The mother effin' pig tassa. <laughs> at the end of the day, winning the game wasn't the most important thing. Yeah, it sucks we blew a twenty point lead, but growing up this team is, but growing this team is what's important right now. One more good offseason, adding some O line help, and upgrading the talent at other spots, and we are looking at a much different twenty twenty season.
1: Still got to get quarterback right because if you don't get quarterback right, you put a a ceiling on what this team. Can accomplish. Yep. So you've got to make sure that is fixed. Behind enemy lines. In defense of Allen turning it up field, I was glad to see it. I just turned to my brother-in-law and lamented. Here we go again. Watch, we're going to get the touchdown, maybe the PAT, then leave just enough time for a penalty, a big play, and maybe a bad call, and then lose in regulation or overtime. Clock kept going and I was thrilled. I thought it's different now with Allen. Three plays are enough in an end goal situation, and at least two should have been touchdowns. Love Fant, but the game winner bounced off his face mask. In other news, holy Sutton, if Allen puts a little more on one of those long passes, he doesn't have to put on the brakes and instead gets a touchdown. And while his 118.8 pass rating was not as high as Julian Edelman's, he tied Edelman with a 100 QBR
0: (laughs) Sutton was perfect in that pass was Mm -hmm. it was good for even a non-wide receiver it was impressive Mm -hmm. next one coming in from Jay Harrison 16 imagine Will Ferrell and stepbrothers yelling what the bleep happened Mace can you do a better one than me no, that's good. You can have it. <laughs> this team is god-awful. I hate John Elway. He is probably one of the stupidest people in the league. Watching this team is watching a team of all JV players being forced to play varsity football because they've turned seniors with the exception of a few people. What Brandon Allen, why the bleep do you not get the ball to Cortland Sutton at all on the last drive? He was double-covered. He was double-covered in two of his catches earlier in the game. Give him a shot. Also, why the heck do we run this offense? You're you're trying to run the ball with a bad offensive line. How would that work? Better yet, why do we ask our offensive line to hold our guys for more than the normal time on play-action passes? Is John Elway dumb asking Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson to hold their guys for four or five seconds? Bowles will actually hold them. The next thing you know, it's first and 20. If the opponent's defense rushes just one extra guy, it's game over i've noticed there's literally no counter for a rush besides a dump off to some receiver behind the line of scrimmage that's go that's going to go for nothing yeah, let's get the ball to Tim Patrick. What? Who in their right mind would ever say that? Philip Lindsay, where were you? I don't know, guys. Thanks for the podcast, but I don't know if I'm watching another game this year. This is like breaking up with your partner and then seeing them change, so you give them another shot, and then you realize that you're an idiot forever for even thinking that they're different. Thanks for listening to my rant.
1: Well, if you don't watch another game the rest of the year, we certainly hope you still listen to the podcast. Yes. Keep in touch and update as to what's going on with your Denver Broncos. There is a good point here. It is this scheme and the offensive lineman in it. Again, Ron Leary is holding his own. Healthy for 10 games. That was more than anybody expected. Connor McGovern looks to me like a keeper. Yep. Dalton Reiser looks like a pro bowler in the making. Yep. But... Jawan James hasn't gotten out there, so certainly the jury is out on him. And Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson. Wilkinson's a backup swing. They've been asked to play him for all but 32 snaps over the course of the year. Uh, That's clearly not what he's equipped to do. Yep. And then Bowles is Bowles. Like I said— Bowles is Bowles. After the last game, Garrett Bowles because— Garrett
0: Bowles. (laughs) Exactly. And Mace. But
1: I and also I do like the point about why don't you give Cortland Sutton a jump ball? Three plays in goal to go. Shouldn't one of them be a jump ball to Cortland?
0: Or if if you have to get the ball to Cortland. And you know what? If he's double covered, Rich Gangarello design a play that it can at least free up one of those guys.
1: I'll give you another possibility here. And You have to have proper design to make it work. It can go askew easily. The Panthers tried this. It didn't work. But I remember back in this scheme in 1999, Carolina ran this offense. They were a full West Coast team at that point. George Seifert was the head coach. Steve Berline never fleet a foot. Took off. Got it just over the goal line for a score. What I'm saying is it may sound crazy, But what if you, on that last play, you'd spread the targets out, open and seen if there was an opening up the middle, a vacated area by the linebacker, and then send Brandon Allen up to try to run for it? Yep. That wouldn't have been the worst idea.
0: Certainly wouldn't have. And Mace, this next one from Bronco, Matt's about the complete opposite from our last comment. Hey guys, I'm surprised you guys seemed upset. This is a time to celebrate. We saw some good things today, which was fun. However, the worst outcome for this team with a general manager like Elway is to win. Whatever it takes to get Locke on the field is our only hope. I will hold my stance. Locke will never play for the Broncos. They will likely win this weekend. The only hope for a better tomorrow is to lose this upcoming game and to keep losing and Until they see Locke. I will be a real Bronco fan this weekend and will be cheering for the Bills to wipe the floor with the Broncos. Have a great
1: Monday. There are a lot of Broncos fans who would say you're not a real fan for pulling for that. So this is going to be another interesting week of debate as far as the nature of fandom in Broncos country. TCU Bronco, how does the old phrase go? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me four times, shame on me. The Broncos could choke on a tic tac. Couple quick notes for Skangarello to use in what I pray are his last six weeks in Denver. Number one, Fant is not a running back and will never be a running back. <laughs> Two, Booker will never convert a third and seven on the ground.
0: Yeah, why are you trying that then? That was that may be the second worst play call. <laughs> this Mace. isn't
1: little league where you say, "Oh, we got to get this kid out here on the field." Let's get, no. Number three, if you need a touchdown one play, it might be a good idea to give your best playmakers the shot, Sutton slash Yep. On a more positive note, I honestly don't think this team is as far off as many believe. Solidifying the quarterback position and replacing a few weak links, <coughs> bulls, could push Denver into playoff contention next season. Unfortunately, now we need to find 22 more Janos after the injury. Wish him all the best.
0: Yes, wish him, wish him all the best. Such a big loss for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Next one coming in from Bronco Gator 87. I cannot believe this game actually happened. Honestly, I feel a little insulted for Broncos Nation. It's as if the Vikings teasingly spotted the Broncos 20 points and said, hey, we can spot you 20 and still come back and beat you. Nation? <laughs> At least you didn't say Bronco land. I was going to say, could be land. <laughs> I went into this game knowing that we would lose and knowing that this would be that would help our draft position. But to be up 20 points at half and we still lose the game with the defense that we have, seems like we are firmly in losing culture throughout the organization. Someone failed. And I don't know if it was the players or the coaches or the game plan or the execution, but someone failed big time. The Broncos honestly do not deserve another win this season until whatever is wrong with this mess is fixed.
1: A lot of someone's failed. That's how you blow a 20-point lead in the second half. It's not one someone. Right. It's a lot of someones. It's not one of us. It's all of us. Exactly. Brian Boz. Firstly, my girlfriend got me tickets to the Broncos-Bills game a month ago. My only hope was that Drew would be starting by then. Let's all pray he gets the nod with Jano going to IR. There's Locke's roster spot. But knowing this organization, Locke won't even be activated this week. And a new thing has come to my mind. Is the organization waiting for Jawan James to get healthy before they put Drew out there behind Bowles? Secondly, this Vikings game showed me that this team is a lot closer than we thought to being a competitor. We are a couple of own linemen and a competent quarterback away from being a good team. Hopefully, we already have our quarterback. I would include wide receiver, but if Tim Patrick can consistently play like he did yesterday, I'm happy with him and Sutton, who's an absolute monster, by the way. Let's just hope Chris Harris Jr. re-signs, and I think 2020 is going to be a winning season. Maybe not playoffs, but I can see them going nine and seven, depending on Locke's play next year. Here's to hoping Locks our savior. Cheers, Broncos country. Agree with you about Tim Patrick. But you still need a vertical speed guy at wide receiver, and I think you go shopping for that guy on day two of the draft.
0: I like your creativity about Juwan James, but I do not agree with you there, although I, I agree with what Mace agreed with as well. Uh, no, Juwan just himself isn't ready. Yeah. And that's Vic, Vic has made it but you very don't, clear. Yeah,
1: but you don't wait to get Drew Locke out there until oh, James no. is available. No. But yes— if Jawang James were healthy, I think we would have seen Garrett Bowles at least being relieved from time to time at left tackle. And that was actually the plan for the Colts game, that if that game had progressed, that Bowles, if needed, would have gotten a series off or two, and they would have rotated Elijah Wilkinson left tackle, and Jawang James would have been at right.
0: Mesa, I think we'll find that out today. We we may find that that's what will happen this week. Next one coming in from Cleaters, Cleavers83. Hey guys, I'll, be st- I'll, be, I'll start by saying sorry if this ends up being a long one. I understand it's hard not to point fingers at the defense after that one, and they t- aren't totally without fault, but being a guy who played defense for four years of high school and two in college, I can tell you this is far more on the offense. <laughs> Sounds like a defensive guy. They couldn't hold on to the ball or take up any time and let the defense rest. The three and out. They put a goose egg on the scoreboard in the first half that takes a lot out of you i'm the second i'm the second half credit to the vikings they went strictly hurry up offense which gassed the defense that was already tired when you compound hurry up offense with three and outs of your own it makes for a much tired defense and that is hard to hold on to a lead much like the vibe from the locker room though i feel good about most of the game and came away satisfied young guys are stepping up and vets all seem to want to be here to fix this alan proved he's a solid backup and it's time for drew to step in also we'll stop there <laughs> almost spilled the beans oh wow in elway we rust hello
1: john elway here to let everyone know that drew lock will not be playing this year I believe he hasn't played enough games to play in a game, so until he plays in more (laughs) games, he won't be playing in any games. The good news is I have found our franchise quarterback, who is currently in his prime, has zero interceptions and averages 38 yards a play. His name is Cortland Sutton. I firmly believe with him at the helm, this will allow us to run more tight end sweeps and allow Booker to be our official third and long running back. Also, we are changing our philosophy. I know his fans were actually having fun in the first half versus Minnesota. Football is a serious sport, so we are now adapting our second-half philosophy of just try not to lose to also be our first-half philosophy. With this plan in place, I can confidently say we are on the up-and-up and and have a chance at the Super Bowl this year. Thank you for your time, J.E. J.E.? Is that John himself?
0: James Edwards, the former <laughs> center
1: for the Detroit Pistons back in the day.
0: <laughs> Buddha is his nickname. Next one coming in from Bronco Brawler. Hey, guys. Am I the only one who thinks this game... W- had nearly a perfect outcome. We lost, which is going to benefit us in the long run, but we looked amazing in the first half. and We had a chance to win the game at the end. In addition to looking good, Brandon Allen showed he clearly isn't a starting quarterback and has no business taking time from lock. At the end of the day, we didn't get embarrassed and showed the potential this team has. And if the team could have gone six more games, or if the team could have the six more games go exactly like this where we flash potential and lose i will not be upset although lock winning a couple also wouldn't be bad no questions today but keep up the great work rk zach and mace i miss rk being on every day but zach and mace kill it even when it's just them well thank you so much appreciate that bronco brawler mace is it ideal (laughs) you're kind of saying that you're kind of giving me the yes shrug well, yeah, yeah. Maybe well, well, not wanting I'm to admit thinking it. about this.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to articulate what I want to say here. It's ideal in that you showed some promise and you didn't lose draft position. It's not ideal in that you basically walked back all the progress you made in that second half. I'll tell you what would have been ideal: you lose twenty-seven twenty-three but you'll fall behind and come back to make it close right. and have a chance to win at the end. If you lost 27-23 after being down 20 nothing, and have a chance to win on the last play and fail, you're saying, this is going in the right direction. Yep. They fell behind, but they came roaring back. Yep, They showed spirit. They showed fight. They never gave up. So that's actually the ideal result, is that You lose, but you come back and have a chance to win at the end, and then you're talking about, boy, this team is tough, tenacious. They don't give up. Yep. They never quit. Yep. That's the ideal result.
0: Yep, exactly. I agree with you, Mace.
1: Bumpy Buffalo, I have to say thanks to Virginia Beach Broncos for the props with my five-year-old. No clue where it came from, but she is a freak of nature in general. I can't take any credit, though, as it is all nature. She is five years old, almost four feet tall, weighs almost 70 pounds, but has less than 3% body fat and can hit an overhand pitch and catch footballs over the shoulder. My five-month-old will be the same, I'm sure. Thanks for letting me flex about my girls, LL. Mm-hmm. So I think this was a win-win-win, even though we lost. Win, better draft spot. Win, Drew Sember is coming. Win because I was entertained and actually had hope even until the end. Plus, I hear people saying that Stafford can't run after the catch and throw the ball to himself. So I'm pretty sure Sutton could do it. I think Tim Patrick is solidified as a wide receiver too. I know he had some issues, but this is basically his first game all season and and working with a QB, QBs if you count Sutton, who he hasn't caught a pass Hmm. from until what, last week? The epic defensive meltdown in the end. I blame on Fangio and Donatel who really laid back. Winning teams step on the throat and losing teams try to sit on the lead. All in all, it was the first time I was jumping up and down and emotional towards a Broncos game in three years. So I call that progress. Go Broncos. So That's interesting. We've heard about apathy setting in, but here is Bumpy Buffalo saying he was emotional jumping up and down in a Broncos game for the first time in three years. It was
0: fun. It was so
1: fun. The first half was just dazzling.
0: (laughs) And even at the end, because... Even it was brutal watching the lead slip away, but even when they were driving at the end, it was fun until the very end. Yes, which is something that we haven't seen that much because typically when we've seen the games be close at the end, it's because the Broncos are down. It was 17 fun, but also zero.
1: mismanaged. Right? Did you guys of, get of into course. the game
0: mismanagement
1: at the end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Minnesota said Minnesota helped the Broncos out. Here's another thing and I hate to pour some cold water on it, but the Vikings at almost every turn gave the Broncos a helping hand right up to that moment with 10 seconds to go where they called timeout. The Broncos were discombobulated, confused, and Minnesota says timeout. Here, we're going to help you up. So the one thing I'll say for the Broncos, while they did a lot of things right, Minnesota for much of the game, stood waist-deep in gasoline, holding a match out to the Broncos and saying, here, light this and toss it in. Yep. And the
0: Broncos didn't do it. Yep. No, they they certainly didn't. Next one coming in from DP3107. Guys, can't say I was surprised by this. I'm sure we will hear now the loss of Jano impacted the offense in the second half, but what does it say about our offense when losing a fullback makes it suck this bad? Do you
1: remember back in 2014 in Seattle, Virgil Green was supposed to get some snaps at fullback? in the backfield, and that was the big package that they were going to unleash, and it was the key to the game plan. And mm. then Virgil Green has a concussion in the first half, and that's mm. it, and it screwed up what they wanted to do. Yeah. So it's not just this offense is what I'm
0: saying. Right. That's a good point. A
1: bleed orange, blue. So you guys are saying that Vic Fangio is an old Josh McDaniels. Just kidding. However, that report about discontent within the coaching staff does not surprise me. The team only has three wins. He should have seven. He shouldn't have seven we can talk about that another time. We've discussed it before. Losing causes this, and at the end of the year there are changes, whether on the roster or the coaching staff. I was so angry about the game yesterday, I went to the gym to blow off some steam. You guys should try it. It works wonders. P.S. I'm going to be in town for the next home game, possible Drew Lock debut. I would love to check out the studio and meet y'all. Will you guys be around doing it during a podcast? Will you guys be around doing a podcast during that week of Thanksgiving? Or not?
0: Yes, we will be here next week doing podcasts during the week. We only really have a studio, though. Yeah, no, exactly. It's so my kitchen table <laughs> during the week it, and during the season, we uh, we can't make it out to the office for every pod. That's for sure. But the best way to meet us then is before you see drew lock make his first career start why don't you check out the sun's a mile high and dnvr tailgate uh open starts at 10 a.m on game day in lot n that's a perfect place we'll all be there and boy that'll be that'll be a great way to kick off your game day experience yes it
1: will craig l it was the best of times It was the worst of times. I like that a little bit better than a tale of two halves, even though obviously plays off of a a tale of two cities.
0: Mace, if it comes again, why don't you just, uh, why don't you just put all of them in, you know, go the opposite direction. Write a cliche, heavy story. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got to take them one game at a time.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Albert BD five. Bummer of a game to watch. Sadly, when many scored to bring it within 24, 20, I knew the clock had struck midnight on our Cinderella story. Of course, you know, twenty three twenty, but yeah, good point. Question for you guys to get your mind off the loss. Does the injury to Tua make him a realistic possibility to be in Denver? Would give Locke a year to run this team? If he stinks, Tua can hopefully come in and do something with his offense. If Locke does well, talk about a bargaining chip and a healthy Tua come 2021. Thanks, fellas, for helping Broncos country during these dark times. I don't think John Elway would do it, but yes!
0: with the If out. Tua's
1: on the board when the Broncos are picking, they should pick him. I run g- to the podium with the card I, that's it
0: i guarantee you every time someone suggests this from now until draft day it's going to put a huge smile on my face that's how much i would love it i I, I mean burrow i like it. better than tua but we know that's not realistic no but this also could be the the draft
1: class where you have two quarterbacks and you can't lose maybe even though it's not one two maybe this is the mahomes Deshaun Watson draft
0: class, and you just hope you don't end up with a
1: dud in mystery date like the Bears did.
0: Mm, I love that, Mace. you're Getting me, you're getting me excited. Next one, and I think final one coming in from Bronco Nugs. This team is. Sp- (laughs) there Uh, I needed that to get my attention I feel like I always miss my name and have to go back would it be too much to draft left tackle top 10 trade up and get the Wisconsin center and get a wide receiver with the third pick in the second or third then spend money on D and free agency this game just made me feel even more that if we have someone who can block well we can win and ball out Lindsey can run, Sutton, Fant can do their thing you talked about how the loss of Jano. Really hurts us. And I think it's because he is the only guy other than Dalton that can block. Thoughts?
1: You have the luxury of doing that if you figure out that Drew Locke can be the quarterback of the future. Oh, man, so much right yeah. on
0: that. Again, and it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise. He's the quarterback. It's right. the most important position in sports. If
1: he can be the answer, it frees you up to do so many things to help this team early in the draft. Opens up so many possibilities. Hey, I love the idea of. Tackle early in round one, trade back into the back half of round one and pick Tyler Biotish, the center from Wisconsin. Then I would kick Connor McGovern back over to guard and then get a receiver on day two. That's brilliant. Yep. But to make that work, you have to have the answer at quarterback. Otherwise, you don't have that luxury. Exactly.
0: Mace, before we get out of here... I got, we got to review these picks from the weekend. What was his score of the Bengals Raiders game? Honestly, I am so out of it. I'm so out of it too. And, and I, I don't know off <laughs> top of my head. 17 to 10 Raiders. We all lost. We all picked the Raiders to win by more than 10 and a half. But as we found out this weekend, 10 and a half is too much to cover. So we all lost that one. And Mace, I need your pick for the tonight's game in Mexico City, where the Chiefs and the Chargers square off Chiefs four point favorites. Give me Kansas City neutral site game. So not really a road game got the Chiefs all day gotta say I'm a little surprised by this line I love the Chiefs give me the Chiefs by four Ryan is also taking the Chiefs so as you probably learned from the Bengals and the Raiders game where we all pick the Raiders pick the Chargers <laughs> And <laughs> last stand game for the Chargers realistically it is it really is and maybe that's what keeps it at least the game within four but we're all going Chiefs it should be a fun one I'm looking forward to it that's for sure Mace that'll do it for us today Welcome home. Welcome back. We loved having you on the pod. We loved hearing from you. We are going to go talk to Vic Fangio, so make sure you stay tuned to the DNVR today for all of your updates on Drew Locke, this team, what happened, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a fantastic Monday.
1: Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing, and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr., and Ann, and Mary, and Sherry, and Marie. They've known me, as well as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver.